Hi, everyone. Welcome to another Hoss Talks Foss. I'm here with Pepla, um, one of our uh, you know professional service engineers here at Percona. Hi, Pep. How are you doing today? Hi. Fine. Fine. Really great. Uh, I'm uh, in, in Barcelona and today is a sunny day, so the weather is fine. It's Friday, so we have to talk about backups. What else? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a nice Friday day here as well. Um, I don't know when we'll actually be broadcasting this particular session, so it might be Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, wherever you are, but we hope your day is going well as well. So, um, Pep, you, you put together a workshop for Percona Live that was on extra backup and backing up your MySQL databases, and it was really, really well attended, and I thought that it would be good for us to sit down and talk a little bit about backups, give people some guidance uh, some people uh, will find some time later on to go through that workshop. It's two hours. It is free. It's on YouTube. You can go watch it right now. Um, so that's exciting. Uh, but, uh, you know, wanted to talk a little bit about backups and maybe give people the really high level view of uh, some of the things that uh, are important in the backup space. So, uh, you know, Pep, you've you've been in the, the the database space for years and years and years. I mean, I remember talking to you. God, it must have been ten years ago. Um, you know, and yes, yes. Uh, and so, so I know you've been been in this space for 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 quite some time. Now, when we talk about MySQL backups, um, what do you see is the most common mistake that people make when they set up their backups? I think uh, the most common mistake is focusing on backups. Actually, okay. Backups, backups don't matter. Okay. And, and it, it's quite shocking uh, seeing this in, in a conference about backups. Backups only matter for compliance. That's the only reason you are forced to have some kind of backup. What really matters is recovery. Ah. ah, you don't need a backup strategy. You don't need to think about backups. You need to think about recovery because the important subject is recovery. If you uh, have a great backup, but for whatever reason you are not able to recover it uh, in time, for example, then your backup, it, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, I, I used to say that you can have... Uh, 19, uh, I, I mean, I prefer to have 99 failed backups and one successful recovery than uh, uh, 99 successful backups and one failed recovery. Because the, the, the real critical issue is recovery. And uh, this, this is the, the whole uh, point of the, the beginning of, of, of my talk was you need to think about the things that can happen uh, obviously, the, the amount of things that can happen is, is infinite, and you can't probably prepare for everything. Uh, and then you have to decide uh, what uh, uh, kind of protections you are going to apply, and then prepare the backups to cover these uh, possible incidents. So, okay. So, so first of all, you, your piece of advice is, is very sound. It is... You know, backups don't matter. Recovery does. So you have to do what is required to recover. And so, obviously, 
<laughs> you know, that, that that's a big backups. thing. <laughs> but people do make mistakes when thinking about recovery or backups. And, you know, one of those mistakes is commonly never testing recovery. Yes. Yes. The, this this brings me an, inter- an interesting concept. It's the, the shredding of backup. Uh, it's this is a backup that uh, you did successfully, but you are not able to recover. So it's a backup that is at the same time is in two states. So for example, if you have a really large database, uh, you can have some uh, uh, fast uh, disks. You can have all the infrastructure to be able to make the backup. But if you don't have a good support contract, in the case of you are working with bare metal, you can find that your server is not available and you will need one week to get the server. So uh, the, the, I, the, the, the whole point is that uh, you need to think on the problems and then uh, uh, fix them. And obviously, you need to test your backups. Well, but with, with a terabyte size backup, how do you test that? Uh, with money. With money? <laughs> and how often do you test it? Uh, uh, well, it depends on uh, how important is your database and how uh, uh, resilient is your company to be uh, for example, one month without that database. So if if uh, I used to work for a company that uh, they said we, we we made some numbers, and we in case of an incident, if we are not able to bring the system back in three days, it doesn't matter because the company has to close. Mm. So. Uh, <laughs> I, you need to test. Uh, it, it, it doesn't matter the size of the database. In, in, for a company like this, you need to test the backup, and you need to make sure that you are able to recover the database in less than three days. And this is a cost uh, that you need to assume. And it's it's pretty much the same that if you buy an insurance, we, we are used to pay for insurance, for uh, uh, security, physical security, uh, guards, and, and, and things like that. We also have to pay for backups, and we need to know uh, what we want to be protected of. So in the case of a huge, really huge database, uh, or, or whatever, uh, if you really want to recover it, uh, you need to test backups. So there's, a, there's another... There's another approach okay. is make the database smaller. <laughs> okay. Sometimes you have three terabytes of things that are important, but not that important. Uh, and uh, this is also part of the Schrodinger backup. There's something which is really very depressing is to be recovering something and seeing that you are recovering data that is not important. And you are two days waiting for old uh, log files uh, being recovered until the backup is recovered completely. Then you can start and you say, okay, the, the data I, I really needed was just a part of the database or just a part of the files. Well, if isn't I this logical backups um, versus physical can sometimes come in as well as, um, you know, like you can do things with um, – 
just backing up certain it's, tables? It's uh, it's not only logical versus physical. I, I'm quite old, and I, I remember doing backups using tapes. Oh, yes. And uh, uh, when you write a tape, the order of the files really matters. Because, for example, if you write the catalog of the backup at the end of the tape, you need to load the tape, move forward till the catalog, then rewind and start recovering. You need to uh, 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 read the tape twice. So um, uh, it's uh, you need to test recovery to know uh, the, 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 the issues you will find. And sometimes you need to write uh, sorry, to use the right tool. So, for example, in the case of you want, if you want to recover just one table, you can use extra backup. You don't need to use MySQL dump. Okay, great. And, you know, a- as you start to look at, you know, people who set up their backup strategy and, you know, they start to implement that, um, you know, uh, are there any best practices around things like how often you should be backing up? Um, or how often you should uh, retain or uh, keep your backups, um, you know, uh, on near storage uh, versus, you know, maybe putting them on an S3 bucket or something else. Because as you start to move your backups around, it's going to always be faster to have them something that's that's live, ready to access. And then as soon as you start to move them to something that's a little slower, like an S3 or like you said, a backup tape, <laughs> you know, if you're really old school, uh, it takes a lot longer to get those. So are there some best practices or some rules of thumb that you would recommend people follow um, in terms of backup retention and where they retain those and how often they're, they're, they're keeping those backups? Uh my recommendation is first, do not use a single uh, backup strategy. What I mean is, don't, uh, usually backup is, is pretty much like, well, I have a backup, that's it. Uh, I, I, I really recommend, uh, for example, use a mixed strategy of physical and logical backups. So okay. sometimes, for example, once a week you do a, a physical backup, then every day you perform incrementals, and then maybe once a month you perform a, a, a logical backup. Uh, just uh, to, to have uh, both both versions of the of the thing, okay? Uh, for, for various reasons. For example, if you have a, 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 some kind of corruption, sometimes you can by copying the files, you are transmitting the corruption. You are replicating the corruption. Uh, if if you force reading the whole database, you will find that corruption. The, the, the database server will detect it and say, okay, I have here in, in, in this uh, block of disk, something is, is broken. Um, and um, if possible, Backup your big logs also. Uh, point in time recovery is uh, the kind of thing that really makes you happy when you do it. And uh, when you recover something and you can say to your boss, don't worry, we have no data loss or maybe three seconds data loss. 
because we were able to recover from a physical or logical backup. And then we were able to apply the binary logs. Here is your business back. Don't worry, I'm sorry, it took three hours. Uh, uh, when you do these kind of things, uh, uh, your boss looks at you and says, oh, uh, he knows what he's doing. And, and, and this kind of, of, uh, of, um, of things are really very important. So for me, it's keep a mixed uh, uh, strategy of, of backups and backup your binary logs. And regarding how long you have to keep your backups, uh, it depends on compli- compliance. It depends on uh, the size of the database, obviously, because the more, the, the bigger, more space you need to to store the database. And it depends also on what you want to be protected of. But w- what I've seen usually is that having an uh, one month old database provides really few value. Except for compliance incident, reasons. Yes. If, if yeah. there's an incident, usually you, 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 if you are on e-commerce, you're not going to restore one month old database. Yeah. And, and we see like, like, you know, a lot of people will keep those longer term on, on something that is slower and, and much longer access time, right? So you might keep seven years worth of backups somewhere outside of where you would normally restore from. Uh, because I think a lot of people, they, they, they look at ways to cut corners on backups. And so so let, let me kind of give you a scenario on what I've seen in, in my past. You know, um, you know, you mentioned the mixed backups. You know, so um, a lot of times as data gets bigger, it's not easy to do a full backup every night um, or even multiple times a day in some cases. So what you'll see is, you know, the first, you know, like once a week full backup and then incrementals daily. Um, If the databases are smaller than, you know, a database backup a day tends to be generally the rule of thumb. And then you mentioned keeping the binary logs um, or the transaction logs, you you know, having those for the full day allows you to do that point in time recovery. Um, You know, what I've seen is kind of a, a, a standard thing in a lot of organizations is, They'll leave seven days on disk. So they'll have, you know, the last seven days so they can pick any day, do a full restore point in time to the point where, you know, things got wonkier that they needed and then, you know, pull back. And then after that, um, they'll take those backups and then move them to S3, move them to, you know, like the longer term storage somewhere else that's, you know, slower disk. Uh, also seeing where they might only take one of those backups every week and then store just the one from every week, you know, in the, the slower space, um, you know, and, and so, you know, and then that could be a seven year retention cycle. I mean, you know, gosh, even 15 years ago um, when I was doing Oracle DBA work, we had a requirement to keep everything for seven years for compliance reasons. And it's only gotten way more, you know, compliant and way more sensitive around what you keep and what might have to be, you know, pulled out. Um, But that leads to a whole litany of other issues because restoring a database from five years ago or seven years ago isn't doesn't necessarily mean the application will even work. Um, You know, actually, you, you can have issues to find the software. So you can have the data, 
but you don't have the the, the distribution or you don't have you are not the able version to of MySQL or the version of you know like whatever database that might not exist anymore. It might have been yeah. I mean, there, there's all kinds of you know um, fun <laughs> fun things that could happen. And I think that's where it's a real challenge when you start to think about the compliance side, which is why most, you know, DBAs, most sysadmins, most people who are in charge of backups are thinking short term. And, you know, when you think that, you know, like week or maybe a couple months out, um, you know, the odds of you having to do a recovery scenario really short term. Um, yes. You know, like, like it, you know, it, it could happen, you know, but as you go on, the, the, like you mentioned, the data value tends to diminish over time, right? Because what are the odds that you're going to go back? I need to go a month ago and restore a month, month ago as backup. You're not going to do it because typically what the recovery scenarios that I've seen, and you could tell me what you've seen, would be something like, you, you know, okay, so if you have a full system crash, it happens not very often, but it happens. It's typically going to be I deployed some code. Yes, absolutely. I deleted data that I shouldn't have. I need to roll back whatever, and it might be one table. It might be two tables, or or, or even uh, situations like I deployed some code that uh, produces corruption at at logical level uh, under some limited circumstances. And then I know that probably 3% of the data on those three tables is not good. So uh, it's you, you probably you need to recover one month backup and then compare and, and start to undo the, 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 the thing that the, the development broke. Uh, this is why for long-term backups, I recommend uh, uh, logical backups. Mm. Just for one reason. They are readable. You can, <laughs> I mean, obviously it can be a really huge file, but you can split it. You can uh, use a, a program, whatever, and you can get, the, you can import the data, but also you can analyze the data from the backup. If it's a, if a logical backup, if, if it's a physical backup, you could try to write some tools or recover something, but it, it would be really more complex. But in the case of compliance and long-term backups, I really recommend uh, logical backups. Okay. Okay. And so, you know, most of your talk is centered around not only, you know, backups in general, but really specifically extra backup. And you do a deep dive into some of the extra backup things. So, what are some of the, the features that you found really useful um, coming from, you know, a space where, you know, in the past, extra backup didn't exist and now now it's there? What, what are some of those things that you think are really kind of interesting and people don't maybe maybe don't know about um, and should? I in, in my talk, I described extra backup as the Swiss army knife of, of MySQL backups. Uh, because you can do almost everything, almost everything. So for for me, the the most uh, useful feature is the streaming backup, because I use it 
a lot for rebuilding slaves, creating new slaves. It's like you just start the backup, send it uh, across the network. You don't need to write it somewhere and then transfer the file. If you do a MySQL dump, you need to write it somewhere and then load. You can just stream the backup uncompress at the same time on the destination uh, prepare and and that's it and you have a, a, a replica in, in in the time you need to to, to make that backup so and just to let everybody know who might not understand what streaming backups are or, or the process typically when you would back up in the past and we're going to talk a little bit about history you would take a copy of the files and you would copy them onto disk and then from that disk you would copy them to another server and then restore them on the other server so um, you have the first the copy and then you have the network copy time and then you have the restore time. In this case, what the streaming does is allow you to set the other destination and stream the backup directly, you know, in a compressed way. So it speeds up your time. It could save you um, hours on larger backups or even days. And and actually, in, under some circumstances, uh, it can make the backup, uh, the, the cloning possible. Because sometimes you don't have enough space to keep one copy of the database locally, then transfer to another server. Very often you have a server that has roughly uh, 80% of the disk uh, used. So if you need to write the backup, you need to find the space to write it. So uh, streaming, you save save uh, uh, a lot of space. Uh you can compress, you can avoid compression depending on, on the CPU and your network. So it's it's really very flexible. For me, it's, that's the, the most useful feature. But you, you can do almost everything. You can recover one table, encrypt. So it's, 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 um, it's a perfect tool. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, it's interesting, you mentioned space, right? And this is an interesting, you know, I'll jump into that real quick before we go back to extra backup. Um, space is cheap, most people say, but it does add up. And, you know, when you start to think about, um, you know, backups and how you implement your backup setup, the impact on your cost, especially when you're looking at a cloud, you know, based setup could be substantially high, right? So if you go back to, you know, the scenario that I mentioned, right, which is, okay, we're going to, you know, have seven days worth of backups and binary locks, you know, that's potentially seven times the disk space. Now, of course, you can compress but you'll need a staging environment as well to, you know, copy the files over, then compress them, then move them. And then do you want to keep, you know, one copy uncompressed and then the rest compressed? You're talking about having, you know, if you've got a terabyte, you know, system, you might need seven or eight terabytes yes. of actual space. And Absolutely. those seven or eight terabytes might never be used other than just for backups. Yes. Yes. And, and, the problem is that we are seeing, uh, we have really large customers with tons of servers. 
uh, if you have to allocate extra space for certain operations on each server and you have, let's say, 5,000 servers, that's a lot of space. That's not that cheap. Uh, well, and this is where a lot of people have gone to streaming or sending things directly to S3 or, you know, um, other other storage mechanisms, which saves on the cost, but it increases your mean time to recover in a lot of cases because that yes. is designed as slower access storage. So to get a terabyte backup off of, a, a you know, one of these services, it, it, it can take a while. And so, and that's where you have to maybe maybe you send seven days there, and one day is always online, but that still doubles your space. And again, if you've got thousands of databases, it really does add up. Yes, yes, I, I see uh, offline backups or remote backups and, and cold uh, storage backups more like uh, compliance or uh, not, uh, you know urgent recovery backup it's more like i need to have data for seven years so i'm going to store it uh, at the cheapest uh, possible location because my uh, real concern is compliance this is why uh, at the beginning i said uh, usually people never worry never should worry about backups unless compliance because it's the only specific that says okay you need to have have a cap with this and that and this data and uh, so here's the one danger though and let me let me throw this out there because this is a danger that I do see is you know I think a lot of people do buy into that that they they're thinking recovery and then compliance for backups but people use their recovery strategy as replication or a cluster. That's not recovery. <laughs> That's high availability, <laughs> and this is this is a part of the the, the equation. But, but it's not. Uh, I've seen I've seen a lot of people that says, "Well, I have and uh, twelve replicas in three different uh, DCs, so I don't need backups." Well, you don't need the backups unless uh, uh, somebody drops a table accidentally. Just because they connected to production, thinking it's it and was, it happens. Uh, that does happen, and it happens. It happens a lot. Uh, usually, yes. The, usually, the, the the largest and and um, uh, costly incidents are uh, related to people, right? Because you know what what people have to remember is when you talk about a cluster, you talk about a replica. What comes in gets streamed and replicated to the others. So. <laughs> You know, you've got the delete statement. You've got an alter table statement. You've got a migration that you do in code. It propagates to all the systems. Now, some people will go, oh, well, I'm going to delay, you know, have, have a replica that's delayed an hour to protect myself. Well, that's wonderful, except what's the odds you're going to catch the problem in the first hour? A lot of times these, you, these go for you, a day or longer before somebody makes the decision to pull the plug. You might find out right away that there's something wrong, but you don't go failover or restore from backup within the first five minutes of an issue, right? Typically there's like, oh, well, what is the, you know, uh, I don't know. Like, you know, people don't make that call quickly. 
And I think that that's one of the, the, and, the issues. And, and, and incidents and incidents usually don't appear uh, when you, after you have uh, uh, drink your coffee and you are fresh and you are prepared at your job. It's Probably the, the incident, <laughs> you are driving, it's a Friday night, uh, your kids, and all of a sudden you got the call and says, there's something wrong happening. And, and, then you <laughs> need to start thinking and probably you will not stop the replica. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, okay, Pep. Uh, so maybe give us a quick overview of like, you know, the, the session, what, you know, if people want to go find it, like I said, it's on YouTube. What will, what are they going to learn if they watch it? Tell us like, maybe give us a quick, you know, you know, what, 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 what's going to be in there and why should they watch that? Uh, they, I think uh, the, the the purpose, the main purpose of the the the, the, the talk was uh, something I've seen is people is a bit uh, scared or or does not understand how extra backup works, and and uh, people does some uh, things like. Uh, called backups and, and things like that because uh, uh, making a backup from a, a physical backup from a running database uh, at the beginning sounds like this can't be consistent so uh, in, 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 during the talk I explained that actually what extra backup does is makes a backup and copies the data to make it consistent and, and this is why it's completely re reliable and you can trust your backup and uh, uh, and also I explained the prepare phase and and and, and things like that because um, the, the tool is is really very powerful you can do a lot of things this is the second part of the talk I explain uh, how you can do almost everything you can do with with extra backup and the the idea is really you should stop worrying and love your backups. Okay. And or love your recovery backups, in this case. Uh, love your recovery. Exactly. Uh, um, and and uh, extra backup is really... Uh, uh, I'm a Percona guy, but I'm not an extra backup developer at all. And uh, so I could have a certain some distance from, from the, the, the tool. And it's really a great, great tool so okay. I, I, i'm really surprised to find some some of our clients that they don't use it as uh, as, a, as a weapon of choice for things like uh, cloning uh, databases and things like that okay so you know everyone if, if if you haven't checked it out you know check out you know pep's talk um it should be up on youtube um from percona live it's a two-hour tutorial kind of walking through how to set up and use extra backup for various scenarios as you know pep mentioned um you know he'll talk through cloning and doing regular backups and you know some of the features like streaming how to set it up and how to really make sure that you know, you have a recovery strategy that's going to work um, in larger and smaller, every environment in between. Um, and so I would really encourage you to check that out um, when you do have a chance and download extra backup to see what that's all about. But Pep, thanks for taking a few moments today. 
chatting with me about backups, jamming out, you know, what we got to worry about, why we should worry and why we shouldn't worry. Um, I do appreciate it. Okay. Thank you very much. Wow, what a great episode that was. We really appreciate you coming and checking it out. We hope that you love open source as much as we do. If you like this video, go ahead and subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And of course, tune in to next week's episode. We really appreciate you coming and talking open source with us.